The Trump administration won at the Supreme Court yesterday when the court decided by seven votes to two votes to deny review of the asylum request of a Sri Lankan who was arrested 25 yards away from the U.S. border after illegally entering the United States. This should have been a unanimous decision, a 9-0 decision by the Supreme Court, but of course it was not. How is the left taking this Supreme Court decision? They are not taking their defeat well. They believe that sympathetic facts should drive courts to ignore the black letter of the law and implement their policy preferences from the bench. Let's dig into this case. I'm Gail Trotter, host of The Gail Trotter Show. I'm a liberty-loving, tyranny-hating lawyer based in your nation's capital. I work to keep you informed and to be your spokesman in Washington, D.C. Subscribe to my show below so you don't miss a daily episode. Hit the bell and comment down below on what topic you would like me to cover next. I want to share with you a comment by viewer Brenda Raleigh. She writes... Five score after John F. Kennedy said the torch has been passed to a new generation, it quickly wound up in Arlington Cemetery. Then Trump accidentally came along and picked it up. For us, patriots like you are bravely once again holding it high like Lady Liberty to help repair our United States through law. Most Democrat so-called leaders have violated their oaths and are derelict in their duty. We are proud of your efforts in the Lord's work. Thank you so much for your service. Stay safe and God's blessings. Love is patient and long-suffering for just outcomes. Righteousness will win in the end. Trump 2024. I was so encouraged by Brenda's comments because that is exactly what I am trying to do for you on this show. I want to be your spokesman. I want to encourage you. I want you to believe that righteousness wins in the end, but we do need to be patient and long-suffering. This is not an easy process. The left definitely is not giving up. They continue to foment all sorts of societal unrest and they continue to try to get their policy preferences legislated from the courts instead of at the ballot box by persuading you all that their policies are good for American voters. So I have three points that I want to share with you today on this Supreme Court win for the Trump administration. Point one, the facts of this Supreme Court case are extremely sympathetic in favor of the plaintiff. I'm going to link down below to a Washington Examiner article, and I want to quote from it right now to set up what is going on in this case. The plaintiff, Vijaya Kumar Thurasigiam, was arrested after illegally crossing the U.S.-Mexico border near San Diego, California. He told the Customs and Border Protection officer who interviewed him that he feared being returned to Sri Lanka because he had been kidnapped by government intelligence officials and tortured. Thuragassium said he was knocked unconscious and woke up in a hospital where he decided to flee to the United States. 
the officer who interviewed Thuragasium decided that the asylum seeker did not have a credible fear of persecution because he lacked evidence proving that he was targeted. U.S. policy states that asylum seekers must prove their lives are at risk due to race, religion, nationality, membership in a particular social group, or political affiliation. Now, to give you a little bit of the background of the facts and the law of this case, I want to present the other side's recantation of the facts in this case. So the ACLU picked up this man's case and took it to the Supreme Court. So I want to share with you how they described these sympathetic facts that happened for their, their client. <clears throat> in 2013, Thurre Sigium worked on a local Tamil politician's election campaign. A few months later, men who said they were intelligence officers working with the government visited his farm. They threw him into the back of a white van, gagged him, and drove 40 minutes away to a house where they tortured him by dunking him into a well. While beating him, the men repeatedly asked about his support for the politician. Thurisigium lost consciousness. When he woke up, he was in a hospital bed. After recovering, he went into hiding, and in 2016, he decided to flee to the United States. For eight months, he traveled through South and Central America at one stage, walking through the notorious Darien Gap, a perilous stretch of remote jungle that separates Colombia and Panama. Eventually, he crossed into the United States near Tijuana, where he asked Customs and Border Protection officers for asylum. Now, on the law regarding this case, U.S. federal law allows for the expedited removal of those arrested within 100 miles of the border within the past two weeks. This is under a 1990s-era law called the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act. To be eligible for asylum under U.S. law, a seeker must prove that he is, has a credible threat of harm, fear of harm, due to race, religion, nationality, membership in a particular social group, or a political affiliation. The plaintiff in this case did not demonstrate to a Customs and Border Protection officer that he had a credible fear as required by federal law. He appealed that decision to an, a supervisor of the agent, and then he appealed that decision to an immigration judge who concurred with the CBP officer on whether the plaintiff demonstrated credible fear. The ACLU, as I said, intervened to support the plaintiff's side, and the Ninth Circuit overturn those three decision makers view of whether the plaintiff demonstrated credible fear and they overruled that in the plaintiff's favor. Yesterday, the Supreme Court reversed the holding of the Ninth Circuit. My second point to share with you today is that when you dig deeper into these facts, it is noticeable that he had three chances to prove that he had credible fear. The CPB agent determined that he could not prove a credible fear. The supervising officer of the CBP agent agreed with the CBP agent, and an immigration judge affirmed both of their decisions. That adds up to three chances to demonstrate the legal asylum-seeking requirement. After this, the plaintiff filed a habeas corpus petition asserting for the first time a fear of persecution based on his Tamil ethnicity and political views and asked for another, another, a fourth chance to apply for asylum. 
The plaintiff in this case argued, and the Ninth Circuit agreed, that federal law 8 U.S.C. section 1252E2, limiting the review that a federal court may conduct on a petition for writ of habeas corpus, violated the, the suspension clause of the Constitution and the due process clause of the Constitution. The Supreme Court yesterday held that this law, 8 U.S.C. section 1252E2, does not violate the suspension clause in this case because a plaintiff was not seeking release from custody. He was seeking an additional opportunity to obtain asylum. So habeas corpus deals with the detention of people who are trying to have a higher authority, a court review the detention. And the Supreme Court was saying he wasn't really seeking to have his detention reviewed. He was seeking to have a second, or actually a fourth bite at the apple to apply for a political asylum. So the Supreme Court also held that the law does not violate the due process clause because, quote, more than a century of precedent establishes that for aliens seeking initial entry, the decisions of executive or administrative officers acting within powers expressly conferred by Congress are due process of law. So the Supreme Court was citing precedent and they were explaining that the due process requirements are not violated in this situation because Congress has expressly granted these officers the right to have these procedures, the uh, process that these asylum seekers go through who are within 100 miles of the border within two weeks for this expedited uh, expedited review under this law that was passed in the 1990s. The plaintiff, however, countered that his presence 25 yards into the, our country changed his status. But the court smacked this argument down as illogical. And I'm quoting the court, but the rule would be meaningless if it became an operative as soon as an arriving alien set foot on U.S. soil. An alien who is detained shortly after unlawful entry cannot be said to have affected an entry. So in this case, Justice Alito delivered the majority opinion. He was joined by Chief Justice John Roberts, Justice Thomas, Justice Gorsuch, and Justice Kavanaugh. Uh, Thomas filed a separate concurring opinion, and Breyer filed a concurring opinion joined by Ginsburg. So that's how you get to seven who supported the government, the Trump administration's position in this case. No surprise, Sotomayor and Kagan dissented. So what should have been a nine to zero opinion was a seven to two opinion. My third point to share with you is that the left wants the Supreme Court to implement all the changes that they want through court decisions that they cannot achieve at the ballot box because they cannot convince voters of the wisdom of their policies. This case is yet another example. I'm going to link down below to a Vox piece, the headline of which screamed, the Supreme Court just allowed Trump's expansion of deportations to go unchecked. Asylum seekers now have little recourse to challenge fast-tracked deportations. Yet, the facts of this case contradict the Vox piece. The plaintiff in this case had three bites at the apple. Then he changed his rationale for why he was seeking asylum for the court cases. And remember, this law passed in the 1990s, and the left is treating it like it is Trump's law or Trump's fiat. From the Vox article, 
It says, and I'm quoting, the Supreme Court issued a ruling with sweeping immediate implications for the immigration enforcement system, potentially allowing the Trump administration to move forward and deporting tens of thousands of immigrants living in the United States with little oversight. Trump has made it very clear that ICE has the authority to use this process throughout the entire country. Carrie Hong, a professor at Boston College Law School, said, They could start stopping anyone at any time on any suspicion that they have committed an immigration violation and deport them. I don't think it's unreasonable to predict that ICE agents will target dark-skinned individuals. I mean, talk about a crazy exaggeration of the holding in this case, saying that they could start stopping anyone, anytime, any suspicion, and deport them. That is absurd. That's not what this case says. And it's trying to take it to the complete extreme and scare people instead of actually dealing with what the holding of the case really was. I'm going to link down below to the 98-page opinion of the Supreme Court. I'm also going to link down below to this article in The Atlantic with the headline, The Supreme Court didn't have to rely on xenophobic logic, but it did. And quoting from this Atlantic piece, Now that the court has signed off on the government's theory that non-citizens who are physically but not lawfully present are not entitled to at least some constitutional rights, it is subjected immigrant communities to the Trump administration's cruel whims. So that just shows you that the left is continuing to try to make this argument that their policy preferences, preferences should, should be paramount over the rule of law, that they don't want to go back to Congress and get the rules changed because they know that they cannot persuade American voters on this issue. This was a signature issue of candidate Trump's campaign, that he was going to make sure that we respected the United States national sovereignty, that we were going to control our borders, that we were going to start enforcing laws that had been on the books, that had also been enforced by the Obama administration, but that the left had continued to challenge and gummed up the works holding these things in litigation for as long as they possibly could, hoping that, like at the Ninth Circuit, they would get sympathetic rulings from judges who are more concerned about putting their personal policy preferences into law instead of being fair, independent, and upholding their faithfulness to the Constitution. This should have been a unanimous decision. The 7-2 to two holding shows yet again how important it is to have judges and justices on the Supreme Court who are fair, independent, and faithful to the Constitution. If the left had its way in this case and all the other cases that they are pushing, pushing, pushing in federal courts, the decision would have disregarded the law and have been 9-0 to zero in favor of the plaintiff taking away control of our borders from the American voters and vesting control in nine unelected, unaccountable justices. Please, today, take time to thank the Supreme Court on social media for hold their holding in this very important case. Also, thank President Trump and Senator Mitch McConnell for their commitment to put good judges on the federal bench. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. I read every comment and I'm so encouraged by what you have to say. I also link today to the opposing side on this case. So I'd like you to read that and think about their arguments and give me feedback on that. Please subscribe down below so you don't miss a single daily episode. Hit the bell and comment down below on what topics you would like me to cover next. Thanks for listening to The Gail Trotter Show, right in D.C. Be sure to sign up for her mailing list on her website, gailtrotter.com. And also, follow her on Twitter, at Gail Trotter, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe now, it's easy. Thanks for listening. Share the truth. Share The Gail Trotter Show.